I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. Welcome, 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 guys. Hello, gentlemen. You know, uh, Paul is uh, is stagging it this weekend. Right? It's he, what, uh, what he... we call the uh, Hall Pass weekend. <laughs> is that what they call it? I mean, that's not what Jen calls it. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, he's had, uh, you know, the hookers at the house and, uh, you know, he's been, you know, smoking up all the weed and, uh, and, and, you know, on the, on the crack pipe. I mean, you've done all, all the vices, right? All the drugs in one day. Yeah. I'm like Carrie Fisher up in here. It cost them so much to fly them in from Chicas Locas. Right. Well, technically, I'm glad. Well, I have all my uh, Delta credits from when my Hawaii trip got canceled. So it's there all free, you go. Free ninety nine. <laughs> I mean, you save the money because the Chicas Locas are so cheapo. True. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're basically losing money if you don't fly them in. <laughs> you know, I went to uh, <laughs> on a related note. Uh, and it's not and it's not at all related but i i went i stopped i was out in the world the other day and uh, i was like you know what i'm gonna stop and uh pick up a sandwich for lunch so i went into the sandwich shop and uh you know there's a line of, of folks so i'm you know working my way through the line i order my sandwich it was the big italian uh, or as i like to call it the big italian and uh <laughs> the lady uh working my order and she goes do you want it mike's way and, and I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry. She goes, Mike's way. Do you want it Mike's way? And I look at the guy next to me in line. I'm like, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention to his order. And she goes, no, Mike's way. And I'm like, I don't know Mike. <laughs> and, she's, and she turns around and points to the sign behind her, Jersey Mike's. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. oh God. Why yeah. do we let Aaron out of his house? I don't even like, <laughs> I mean Aaron. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Uh, apparently <laughs> like olive oil and you know vinegar <laughs> so i have a question for you guys question all right what month is it it is june it is june so does it feel odd to you that they're releasing batman the long halloween part one in june instead of like october well are they releasing uh part two in october no i mean maybe <laughs> no, actually, it comes out on July twenty seventh. That's a short break. I guess it's only it's only like two months, but not even like a month in between movies. Huh. Yeah. Which, well, I like that it's a short period of time. Yeah, me too. I mean, kind of begs the question: I'm, I'm, why not just release them together? But I guess the point is double the money, double the fun. <laughs> so this week on, uh, I guess we don't get it digital first anymore because I think it came out on digital and Blu ray. Oh. Yeah, you know, well, and, you know, that whole thing where they release to their streaming service. I don't understand why feature films can uh, re- release straight to HBO Max right now, but not the uh, the digital on demand. I don't mm-hmm. get that. You yeah, know. No, good question. Yeah, but uh, it's OK. It's OK, because when I, I'll just put it out there, Paul, when the Warner animated features come out and they are of this high quality, uh, I don't I don't mind paying for them. Uh, I, I hate to say that, but uh, I, I I really enjoyed Justice Society. Uh, it was super high quality, and yeah. I thought uh, Long Halloween was of similar quality. So, I think we're gonna. I don't know that we're gonna differ in opinion. Uh huh. Um, 
and and Wayne, I know you haven't seen Long Halloween yet. I thought the yes, the quality was very good. The animation was superb. It's done in a very similar style, like cell. It's like they've adopted. It, it seems to me that they have adopted a new house style for their animation. Yeah, it, it's very uh, much like that Superman movie, that Man of Tomorrow movie. Well, and Justice Society. Oh yeah, the, true. The the, the uh, what I couldn't help but notice was that the the style predating that was just crappy. I mean, I, it was like they, they they just decided, eh, let's not have any real character to our animation. You know, we're just going to look like you know a color form set. Um, but, but the, where they are going now has a lot of character, not, um, not certainly not in the same style, but certainly in the same sort of, of, uh, get pro- providing an indelible look, you know, something that's like, bam, this is, this is DC branded animation, not unlike Bruce Timm's work, right. Yeah. In that it not, not that it looks like Bruce Timm's work, but in that this is of a world. This is all of the same sort of piece. Um, I like the look of these of these uh, features. I really do. Well, and I like that they've adopted a simplistic look, which we're used yeah. to from Bruce Tim. But at the same time, it doesn't look like Bruce Tim anymore. Correct. Um, which I, you know, despite the fact that I love Bruce Tim, that that style. Unfortunately, does two things. It creates confusion because it's like, is this taking place in the Bruce Tim universe? Right. Um, yeah. And two, you've got that new Bruce Tim produced animated series with J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves coming. So I think you know it just it separates itself from that. Yeah. Um. So Batman: The Long Halloween. If you've not read the the comic series, you're you're really kind of like you're, you're missing one of the iconic batman storylines mm-hmm. of all time uh from jeff Loeb and tim sale and you know it, it it's but if you've seen the uh christopher nolan uh batman the dark knight film heavily heavily inspired by this um you know it it, it is it, it is very similar to storylines like mask of the phantasm and the dark knight but kind of its own thing in that it, it's it came out originally as 12 issues, 12 monthly issues taking place over the course of a year, um, each set on a holiday uh, featuring the holiday killer. And so the movie movies, um, you know, will be kind of, are adapting that. And I guess this is the first half, which runs through New Year's Eve, starts on Halloween, runs through New Year's Eve. And then we'll get the second half um, in, in a month. So my first question for you guys is how closely does it follow the comic? I don't think that it's particularly close, but it has also been a very long time since I've read The Long Halloween. I would say there are very, there's a lot of similarities. It is not a 100% adaptation. Right. Um, but it, it's, I mean, it. I will tell you, it's been a long time since I've read it. Uh, I feel like it's hitting the big moves, yeah. but I feel like there's a lot in it that is original to the film. Yeah. Um, but, you know, including much like The Dark Knight, um the trio of batman harvey dent and commissioner gordon you know and and kind of the bond that they they build um you know over the course of the film that obviously as we get into the second film falls apart just like the dark knight um and i just keep referring to the dark knight because you know it it is very that one very much is almost an adaptation of long halloween as well um now the I will say, for me, the standout of this film was Josh Duhamel as Two-Face. 
I thought, uh, or um, I believe what you mean is Harvey Dent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Harvey Dent. He's not two faced <laughs> yet. Um, but I thought Harvey Dent's, uh, portrayal in this film was, uh-huh. was the, the highlight of the film. And I wish I, 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 you know, I, I am understanding it's an adaptation. Right. And I understand it wouldn't sell <laughs> as well, but I almost just wanted a, this entire thing from Harvey Dent's point of view. Oh yeah. I, that would actually be a really cool story. Yeah. But I, I, I very much enjoyed the voice acting in it. Jensen Ackles is really growing on me as Batman. Yeah, he takes it, it be, only because I'm so familiar with his voice. It it takes right. a minute, um, and he doesn't. And I, you know, I find this in a lot of voice actors lately, and it bums me out because um, even Ken Roy, Kevin Conroy did away with it. The there is no distinct difference between Bruce Wayne and Batman. Right. Yeah. But I, I also felt like that might be a choice because this is Batman very young in his career. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, there was part of me that's like, well, maybe it's just because this is such a young Batman, you know, yeah. and it's Batman still building his toolkit. Yeah. What I found, the only voicing that I didn't much care for, strange to say, was uh, Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Because she just seemed so girl next door, yeah. you know, she, she did not have the, the sultry allure, exotic, you know, sort of, you know, cat woman that, that we're used to seeing. And I, I was fine with that when she was Selena Kyle, but she was, that was also the same sort of voicing she used as Catwoman. And, you know, so to, to your po- earlier point about Jensen Ackles, uh, Batman versus Bruce Wayne, she would just seem too approachable as mm-hmm. Catwoman. And that, that just seemed odd to me. But well, also young in her career as well. Yeah, well, so Naya, Naya Rivera uh, voiced Selena Kyle. Um, you know, it's a name that if you're not familiar with, she was on the TV show Glee. And during production of this film, uh, she actually passed away. Uh, oh my god, I did not. Oh, and that's who the dedication was to at the end of the film. Yep. She, did she, she die? Drowning. Was it COVID? Oh, no, she drowned uh, last July oh. while swimming with her son. I mean, not to worry, but the, the... did not know that. Not I did her. not either. I And I, now I'm going to ask, cr- uh, criticizing her uh, her final performance. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, well, <laughs> technically the next film was her final performance. So, uh yeah, no. I mean, I I do dis- I do agree with you. I think her performance was a little middle of the road. Um, but I also found, and, and I will say, while I uh, I actually liked Selena Kyle's portrayal in the film. Yeah, Catwoman kind of like for me came out of nowhere. Uh, and I don't again, you know, uh, Wayne. To your point, it's been a long time since I've read Long Halloween, and you know maybe it has been established that they have a relationship and they know each other, but. This film very much jumps in, and I'm like, oh, wait, do they know each other? Do they not know each other? And, and, you know, because it's obviously revealed that she knows he's Batman at some point. And right. I'm like, okay. I, I'm like, it, it was for me, that was something that was a bit jarring because he he sees Catwoman. He, you know, they, they have a, a chase across the rooftops through Gotham City. And then they have a conversation that's half, who are you? And half, I know you. Um, and it, it, I just, I couldn't quite follow that thread. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Paul. That that was sort of a, a weird, uh, confusing bit of, uh, of exposition mm-hmm. in, in the story. I, 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 I had the same kind of like, well, where are we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
Well, and, and that, that that kind of is the main concern I, issue I had with the film. Overall, I will say I like it. So I'm being nitpicky because that's what we do. What I what I particularly responded to was the fight scenes. In fact, the I loved the fight in Chinatown. Yes. I, I love, love, love the fight in Chinatown. And so frequently I am bored uh, in these you know, DC animated feature fight scenes. But man, they're, they're just really bringing their A game to some of this stuff. And I, I, I mean, ever since, uh, what was it, uh, the Richard Dragon film. Oh, I yeah, just Soul of the Dragon. Like, yeah, I just really feel like they've, they've really stepped it up. Well, I think so. what helps for them is that they they've slowed down the pace of the films. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you think about those new fifty two movies, it was basically fifteen minutes of exposition followed by an hour of action, right? Um, and and the action in these films, to your point, because it's just a nonstop fight scene, can be exhaustive in the lack of without story or context to it. And so I think you know whether it's the Soul of the Dragon, the Superman Man of Tomorrow, the Justice League, and now this, the action sequences are scattered throughout they're well you know well choreographed and they're not just 20 minutes long right of, of repetitive punching um so and, and this one does slow the pace down quite a bit um this is a bit longer than the usual film i think it's about an hour and a half because i think some yes it was, i think it was an hour 36 yeah i think is what it was so. um you know the like and i i will say it took me a little bit to get used to the pacing because you know, with this this was released monthly. You know, it was meant to be read in that, you know, with that break in between, with an understanding that a month has passed. And so when you're watching it in a movie where okay, it's Thanksgiving, cut to Christmas, for me I was like, Oh, okay, hold on. We skipped a month. Like we're we're a month ahead already. Um so right. then, but it it got better as the film went on and I, I will say the last half hour is stupendous in this film. I I will say, you know, talking about the actual book by Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb, which, I mean, folks, it's been a long time since these guys have worked together. Uh, These guys are a powerhouse combination. I mean, these everything these guys have worked on is just stunning. Mm -hmm. Um, The Long Halloween feels like the last great Batman book that while certainly everyone knew it was going to be collected, but it was not written with the trade in mind. It was very much written for monthly uh, issue publication. Um, And it collects very well. That's how I read it. But to to Paul's point, um, it very much was designed to be picked up on the newsstand and read in the month in which it was released. Um, And I I, I think that's an, an important aspect of the uh, published work because when one of the great things about reading that book, you know, sometimes you, you read a trade paperback and you know, it's six issues or it's 12 issues of, of a story and it's one continuous sort of, of uh, you know, continuing thread story. And it's difficult to find a place to stop. A lot of times monthly books in our current age aren't really chapter breaks, right? Whereas the long Halloween absolutely is. You can read an issue, put it down. Mm -hmm. Read the next issue, put it down. I mean, that's one of the nice things about that book. And it is a gigantic book because it's 12 issues long. 
And I even think those those issues were extra long. You know, there weren't the standard 22-page uh, books. And one of the things that I, I loved about this movie, Paul, is just in the opening credit sequence, they use the Tim Sale art from the books. They do. And it's gorgeous to see it on your on your great big HD television, right? I mean, I, I was sitting there going, man, I, I, I usually hate opening credit sequences. Um, it was beautiful. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the, the opening credits to this movie. Uh, I liked I liked a lot about this movie. It's not a perfect film. What I liked even more was the uh, DC Showcase bonus feature of the losers. <laughs> I knew you would. As, as, oh one, man! I got like three minutes into it. I'm like, and that's I, I texted Aaron and and I said, make sure you find 15 minutes tonight to watch the losers. <laughs> oh, it was so good. It was so good. Um, yeah, number one, I, I love to say the some. I have to say some of these bonus features have been incredible lately. Like, I really like the death one on, uh, I think it was the Batman death in the family. Yeah. I, I, I just very, very much in, enjoyed it. You know, I, I'm a big losers fan, you know, world war two comic, uh, where you know, captain storm and, and all the guys, um, this was them being shipwrecked essentially on monster Island, you know, I, I, an island where time forgot and you've got all these dinosaurs and whatnot. That that, that was, while very dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, crazy dark. Uh, was a lot of fun and perfect for that 15-minute short. I just, I man, I, I, I dug the hell out of that, Paul. Yeah, I'm loving that we're getting to things like these that you wouldn't like necessarily. Yeah, yeah, like Commandy, that you would, you love. They're the smaller stories that just don't have the audience we're the audience but don't have the audience for a big release yeah. yeah they wouldn't sell right but as bonus features if they can drum up enough interest i'm sure they would you know figure out a way but yeah lose the losers is just so well done reminded me of you know some of the the gaming um you know, oh no it's done. absolutely yeah savage it, certainly some of my uh you know day after ragnarok type games mm -hmm. i mean it felt very much like that i I, uh, I I loved it. It was a lot of fun. I, my only other my, my only other thing I'd like to say about the the, re, the digital release is that you know on the Justice Society release they had a really nice roundtable discussion with uh, the producers, the writers, director, etc. Yeah. Uh, and there was not one of these for this film. And I, you know I, I think they would tell you that well you know we did give you a preview of you know part two with some of the creators but it's not the same well i wonder uh, if they're waiting for part two to have some of that stuff maybe and you know what the sucky thing is and here's the sucky thing we we bought this film yeah. knowing freaking oh, knowing that they're gonna have a collector's edition that combines them both with into one with extra with more features. bonus yeah. features but yeah. that's what we did yeah well i mean you know i had to watch it yeah. and, and uh, i'm glad i did i have you same know, here no regrets. I, I need, I, like I said, you know, I, 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 I bought this thing. I didn't rent it. Um, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it yep. and, you know, I, I, you know, keep giving me the good stuff, DC, <laughs> keep giving me the good stuff. Cause you didn't do that this week in the comics for the most part. That's all I got to say. Yeah. I was gonna say one last question about it, wherever it ends. And I have a feeling I know about where it would end, but did it feel satisfying as a single watch? 
Or did yeah. you feel like you were cliffhangered? cliffhangered. It was cliffhangered. Yeah. It was very much. I had a feeling. In fact, that was my my question going into it. Is like I don't know that there is an organic stopping point. You know where you feel like you you you've gotten well. We've got this part of a conclusion because everything's up in the air. There's no resolution. Yeah, but you know? the ending is still like I mean, like I said, the last half hour of this film was again because I've it's been so long since I've read the book. I found it suspenseful. I found it surprising. Oh, yeah. Um, just I, it, it, I, you you go in knowing it's part one, right? So you right. know it's going to end on a cliffhanger, yeah. right? And stick around for the uh, after credit sequence. Yes, absolutely. So um, you know, speaking of DC Comics, I, Infinite Frontier came out uh, this week, the first of a six issue limited series leading up to the next big event in the DC universe. Um, this it, it, it kind of takes on the tone of Countdown um to infinite crisis uh so you you've got a cast featuring president superman arsenal flash um alan scott and his kids and you know the the looming threat of dark side yeah plus you get uh thomas wayne arriving in a uh rocket ship not yeah. unlike baby kal-el except it's you know old man thomas wayne the problem in with his the thomas wayne stuff is that you know they kind of screwed up his character tom king kind of you know, when he made him a villain and teamed right. him up with Bane, like he's not the Thomas Wayne from the Flashpoint universe that we right. Knew and love. Right. Although this version might be. Yeah, fair. We don't know yet. But, but yeah, they I, when they did Flashpoint, the whole Thomas Wayne stuff was really good, and it struck you, and it was, it was just well done. And now I think they've overdone Thomas Wayne. They found ways to throw him in. You know, they threw him into Earth Two. They threw him into the regular universe they keep bringing him back and i think it's watered down the character so much that all the good that came out of the flashpoint one the really good storytelling is just you know it's lost the punch for me at least yeah yeah well you know this book's got your uh your you know president superman in it from earth 23 i loves me some uh president superman um it's got mary marvel uh it's got lady aquaman so I guess we call her Aqua Woman. <laughs> um, I don't know who Machine Head is. That was new to me. I don't. I don't know what the hell Machine Head is. But uh, I have to say, I'm not a big fan of Captain Carrot. Really? And his? Since yeah. I, I thought you were. You know, I like. A, I think a little bit of Captain Carrot goes a long way. And I feel like I've gotten a lot of him between the the uh, metal books and and now this. I uh, I uh, I just I, I feel like I feel like maybe we need to have Captain Carrot a little bit more in the background. <laughs> I I like Captain Carrot, but I don't necessarily like him interacting with regular characters. Uh-huh. Like a big giant rabbit is hard to take seriously. Uh-huh. Yeah, it. Uh, I you know I don't I. I Again, I like him enough. I just I feel like I've gotten a lot of him. Yeah. I just feel like I've gotten a lot of him. But you know, I on the whole, I really liked this book. Um, I did too. I think what I appreciate about this book is it takes threads that were set up by Grant Morrison and Scott Snyder, but mm-hmm. in the hands of someone like Joshua Williamson. It makes it's not sense. annoying. <laughs> it's not psychedelic crazy. Oh, you're not supposed to understand because it's the bleed, man. Like Joshua Williamson doesn't have the same like, 
oh, I'm going to write a heavy metal comic book or, you know, I'm going to write a, 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 you know, a psychedelic trip comic book like Morrison and Scott Snyder do. He, he writes it matter of factly. And I'm like, oh, okay. I understand. <laughs> and that's what I appreciated about this book. I, do, I would, you, I would ahead, say Lee. for a number one issue, it is not new reader friendly. I would agree. Yeah, they agree. don't introduce who these characters are. Uh, they call back so many references to the previous event, which I didn't read. Right. Uh, but from you guys talking about it, I kind of know what happened in the event. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm reading that event, you know, the second half of Death Metal or whatever it's called uh, on the, the DC uh, Infinite app. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm six months behind, right? Uh, I think I think it's just now, you know, uh, starting to wrap up there because they've been releasing all of the tie-ins and whatnot. And you know, when you're not paying for it by issue, when you're paying for it and through the DC app, uh, you know, it's a lot more enjoyable, uh, and it's a lot easier to just skip over the stuff when you're like, oh, this is terrible. But uh, I I don't feel like the metal event was nearly as effective as most of the other uh, DC big events, but I'm already enjoying infinite frontier, right? I, 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 there, there's a lot in this book I like, but you know, I do feel like there should be standing orders in the justice league, right? That, you know, if something is, if, if a certain scenario happens, you just immediately do X. So for instance, when you run into psycho pirate, your immediate response is to shoot him, to kill him immediately. You don't ask questions. What are you doing here? How you doing? You immediately shut the psycho pirate down, right? I mean, you, you, and when you're the Flash, you've got time to do that. And, of course, you know, that doesn't happen in this book because uh, the Flash is a moron. Uh, Barry <laughs> well, Allen is, is, you know wandering around the multiverse he's been told don't don't go to this other place by yourself and what does he do he goes there by himself and uh terrible terrible things happen yeah well in fairness psycho pirate hits him with his powers when his back's turned so he didn't see him first true but you know when you wander in and you see all of these you know great big uh uh, you know, celestial powers in the DC. Yeah, your response should yeah. be, nope, I'm out of here. Yeah, run the fuck away. <laughs> you were told not to go here by yourself. You see all these, you know, uh, godlike uh, people dead. So the you woman run the that, fuck away. Uh, Roy... <laughs> so was the woman that Roy Harper was talking to in the cafe, is that a character? I don't know if we know who that is yet. I am sure she is. Oh, no, wait, the Roy Harper. I was thinking Director Bones. I don't think so. Yeah, because it was somebody that remembers the world being destroyed. So I thought maybe it was something from Death Metal, and I just didn't know the character. I did find that really interesting in this book, that there are people who are remembering the crises. And so mm-hmm. like they, they remember what happened in, in the, the metal books. Um, I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of unspools, though, uh, in terms of your story. So it's good. I think that's a hard thread to maintain. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested. I'm curious. I, I hope they've got a plan here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, I am not a Roy Harper fan, but that last page, I am totally interested in where they're going now. So let's spoil this because I read it. I wasn't sure I understood what it meant. I have an idea of what it means. 
Um, but I, I think I think we need to talk this out. I think that this is the thing about in, Infinite Frontier number one that I think we really need to discuss. Are we in agreement here? Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of Infinite Frontier number one, Roy is uh, in a diner. He's hearing people talk about, you know, uh, surviving the the prior crisis and, you know, that people are having these memories. You know, there was a whole other world, et cetera. There is a multiverse. People are understanding that there's a multiverse and that's causing, you know, some anxiety because, uh, you know, you you there are all these other worlds out there. And that's a thread that carries over into this week's Justice League. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. But when the. In the the final page of this book, there is, you know, a a whole bunch of drama within the diner. There is an extraction team that comes in to to get Roy Harper. Uh, The 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 the, a lot of hijinks ensue there at the diner. And when Roy wakes up, he is a black lantern, which would suggest that Roy Harper is dead. He is. And that perhaps he has been dead all this time. And that is the way I took it. So Roy Harper, we know, died in Heroes in Crisis. Right. And was brought back to life by the Black Lantern Ring um, in during Death Metal. So Batman died during Death Metal and, you know, kept himself alive with the Black Lantern Ring and used it to bring dead heroes back to life. Mm-hmm. including Roy Harper to to build their army to fight the various bad guys in death metal correct yeah um i what i feel may have happened and i'm sure we'll con- you know we'll understand in 3 weeks when the mystery continues in 3 weeks um is that now that batman is is fine he has given roy harper the black lantern ring or somehow you know used the black lantern ring to bring roy harper back for good but and I don't think Roy Harper realized it, right? Because he, he even at, in the ending pages of of Death Metal, and I think there was another book um, where this was set up. Oh, I think it was that Infinite Frontier Zero. Yeah, um, he doesn't know how he came back or why he's back, and I right. think it's because Batman brought him back with this Black Lantern ring. Yeah, and specifically looking at him, he's not like a zombie like the Black Lanterns typically were. I think he's going to be a new form of Black Lantern, and I kind of expect him to stick around after this as a Black Lantern. Yeah, so that that's the way I took it. You know, the very strong vibes of Infinite Crisis, Fifty Two right. Countdown. Like, there is a lot of stuff going on in this one issue. Uh, lots of different plot threads. I'm assuming they will converge at some point because I'm like, damn, there's like five different yeah. stories in this one book. Yeah, yeah, and I want to see Roy and uh, Wally. Yeah, interacting, and I want to see that fallout. As much as I am tired of everything that came out of Heroes in Crisis, that's the scene I want to see. Well, you know, it, it, for what it's worth, nothing, nothing in that book stuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I dug this book. How frequently is this one being uh, uh, published, Paul? I believe. You know? I don't know. It, it says the next issue is in three weeks, um, okay. but that could just be timing. So probably monthly. Hmm. Uh, one last thing. Uh, you know, this week and maybe all month long, DC has added a page, uh, a splash page, uh, celebrating Pride Month, 
And so, you know, the the last page of this book has, you know, the the, the pride splash page and it's got, you know, the the various LGBTQ plus uh, DC characters on the page. And I <laughs> I spent some time looking to see if there's anybody here that I wasn't aware uh, was LGBTQ plus. And what I really wanted to see was them, you know, putting somebody in here who, you know, we have always assumed is straight, but maybe they out him in the splash page. And, you know, it could be, you know, a guy looking at the, at the camera, like, you know, maybe it's, it's Nightwing and looking, you know, directly at the viewer going, dude, really? You know, <laughs> cause you know, you out him without his permission. That's what I was looking for. That didn't happen here, but happen. I was, yeah. yeah, there is, there's one <laughs> character on here. I don't recognize. Um, I think he's a speedster though. The, like he's wearing all red and black costume. Yes. That as is a red mask. the, um, the future state flash. Okay. Ah. That's why I didn't recognize him. So oh. yeah, that's the future yeah. state flash. So everyone else on here, I know who they are, but I had no idea who that was. Right. So, you know, infinite frontier, you know, some reservations, but overall, we enjoyed the book. One of the few books I enjoyed this week because let, let's just lump Ooh. in the double feature of crap that is Batman, yeah. Superman, nineteen, and Justice League sixty three. You know, I have really been enjoying Batman, Superman, and was yeah. was distraught that they had canceled it, and so this issue comes out this week, and it is ass. It is I I could not read this book. Because it is drawn so poorly. Yeah. I, 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 the, the, the prior issues in this, in this arc were gorgeous. And you, 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 they switched artists and it is garbage. It is garbage, Paul. <laughs> it is garbage, Wayne. This book is garbage. <laughs> it was like somebody startling. shit on my iPad. Well, and it was <laughs> startling for me because I had to catch up. I read issue 18. Right. And then read 19. So they didn't have like a month between them. I had, you know, a couple minutes between them and it really jumped out. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, I can't get over and it's a beautiful cover. It is. The cover is great. And I was so excited to read this book, you know, with with Cowboy Batman and Cowboy Superman, you know, riding the rain. You know, I, I just I was so excited for this book and to open it up in the first page. I'm like, well, this is bad. I, and and it just got worse. <laughs> it really did. And then and then you picked up Justice League issue sixty three, and you're like, Oh my god! Oh, the story well, and the art is bad in this book. Yeah. Well, and the dialogue. I mean, usually Bendis is so good on the dialogue, and I was so frustrated with how annoying Justice League was because you know Bendis did a marvelous job writing the dialogue for Avengers, and I always enjoyed the, those those you know, books where there was just those guys talking and working stuff out, uh, you know, eating a meal. I mean, I love that. I relish that about Bendis. And in this book, it is more Naomi navel gazing, you know, cause we're, we continue oh. to try and make Naomi a thing. I am so sick of her in this issue. I didn't mind her in the previous ones as much yeah. as I just don't like the character. She was fine earlier in the story arc, but this issue, she just was so annoying. Well, and on top of that, I feel like we've been reading comics long enough and we've been reading Brian Michael Bendis comics long enough that I feel like we've identified the formula of four issues of decompressed storytelling concluded in a story that jumps to after the action 
and then recalls what happened. That is literally Bendis to a uh-huh. team. Every Bendis yeah. story builds to this great battle that is told in retrospect. So you know everyone who lives and dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just kills all the excitement and all the interest in what you're about to read. And that is exactly what he did in this book. Yeah, and, well, and I found the conversation that I was looking forward to was one of the more annoying ones. Uh-huh. Where they're talking about who's funding the Justice League. Right. And the the money conversation between Bruce and Ollie should have been interesting, but it just wasn't. Well, one of the things that I've been fighting with in the Justice League books has been the art, right? Uh, I don't like the YA look to it. It seems very young adult, you know, uh, graphic novel to me, and I do not like the way it's styled. And I don't think it's a particularly effective uh, uh, visual storytelling. But, you know, I was enjoying the story. Well, I got so freaking annoyed with the story in this issue and the way the characters were interacting. And that's all Bendis, right? Yeah. That I couldn't forgive the art any longer. And I am hard out on this book. Uh, I am I am I am out. I will I will read it in DC Infinite, uh, but I am done. D-U-N done. With uh, Justice League, I wanted a Justice League book I could enjoy, and I think the closest I'm going to get to that right now is Infinite Frontier. Yeah, and I, 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 I think I'm with you, Aaron, because, um, and it's not just because of that, because I feel like if this book was three ninety nine or two ninety nine, and I was just mm-hmm. getting the front story, I, I could right. probably say, all right, I'll give it one more issue because maybe they'll bring on a new artist or a different mm-hmm. storyline may intrigue me. But when it's four ninety nine, and I will tell you, because I'm a glutton for punishment, I keep reading that Justice League Dark, hoping that at some point it'll get good, and it never does. <laughs> no, um, it doesn't. I do too, but I keep reading it too because you know I paid for it. I paid for it, but, right? <laughs> right. But I'm not liking it. And no, I don't care for it either. How can you give me the story with Detective Chimp and I don't like it? Right. And, and, I think you really Kirk, have uh, Langstrom. Sorry, you have to work really hard. For me to dislike a detective chimp book and yet <laughs> here we are they've really applied themselves because i don't care for for the backup story either yeah so i i, I think i'm with you aaron i think i'm out uh well, I'm and tentatively is, out i should say this is the same reason why i'm out on checkmate and you know i i struggled through the bendis run on superman this is continuing his leviathan story uh, it is the, you know, extremely talented duo of Alex Maleev and Bendis working this book. And this should be something that I, I really enjoy because I love those two guys together. But I am so burned on Bendis's take on the DC universe. I can't do it. I'll, I will, I'll, again, I'll read that one in Infinite. Yeah. I'm not going to pick up any more Bendis, I think, uh, in DC. I'm going to let it ro- roll to Infinite and I'll look at it there because I'm tired of th- wasting money on that guy. Well, thankfully, well, I don't know. I, I I didn't waste any money because thank you, Image Comics, for sending us a preview copy of Spawn's Universe. You know, they, they, <laughs> now that being said, I will say, um, Image Comics has certainly sent us some great books for um, you know for for review. Pulp, That Texas Blood, Radiant Black, Noctera, Geiger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Spawn's Universe does not continue the trend of, of great <laughs> Image Comics. Uh, Spawn's Universe number one is an is unlike the previous books that had shitty art is an absolutely gorgeous piece of shit um the art is gorgeous by jim chung and a you know a whole slew of other artists who do backup features 
uh, all all beautifully rendered. But wow, is yeah. the story hard to read? I'm going to go back to my comment on Infinite Frontier, where Infinite Frontier I said was not exactly new reader friendly. This is new reader, like it assaults new readers. Yeah, right. There, it is. It relies on so much story, and when you read the backup feature that where Todd McFarlane's talking about how this is a book for people that have never read Spawn or people that are just coming back to Spawn. No, it's not. Yeah, no, I, I was I'm, totally lost, but I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe it'll make sense. And here's the thing. It's not fucking rocket science. It's a Spawn book. Like, I got enough out of it. You know, I got enough that I'm like, okay, well, I understand what has happened, even if I don't know how they got there. Um, but... Yeah, it's not new reader friendly. And, you know, here's the thing. I read Spawn when it first started. I probably read the first two to three. Maybe I probably read through up, maybe up through issue 50 when yeah. Spawn first started. But it's same here. 50 but, or 60 was where I stopped. But what does that mean? We've been out of Spawn for probably 15 years, uh, you know, probably, you know, since uh, since Spawn started, maybe maybe around that time frame. And reading this book. The writing has not evolved in 15 years. <laughs> because <laughs> I will... Todd McFarlane hasn't evolved in that amount of time. I will say one of the things that was very successful in doing on the first few pages was hitting my nostalgia. Yeah. It made me want to go back and reread the early Spawn issues. Because right away, you're in, you're thrown in with uh, Cagliostro. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I remember that character. I remember their interactions. And I had hope that this was going to be something, you know, a back to form that it just wasn't. Yeah. And, you know, and they fucking brutally killed a cat on panel. Yeah, they did. Blew its head off and you see it <laughs> in the gore. Well, and, you know, so here, some, I'm going to just give you some examples of some of the things that that really struck me about this book. And, and it's really the writing. Omega Spawn isn't the only one looking for answers. Our Spawn has been out every night hunting down and lead pointing to any faction whose loyalty is tried or tied to heaven or hell. So first of all, when every character's name spawn, the fact that you have to say our spawn, right. Um, you know, yeah. is annoying. And secondly, you know, later on in the book, they're like, our hero jumps down the mine shaft or something like that. Like he literally, like he, he fucking put our hero, like, you know, like in a 2021 comic book. Um, yeah, it's like Stan Lee-style dialogue. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like, huh. I, I think the thing about Todd McFarlane, at least the writing in this book, first of all, it's Jim Chung, who is one of my favorite artists of all time and does an absolutely glorious job of, of drawing both Spawn and the, the fucking ape. Um, you know, he, there, there's Cygor. a cy Yeah, Cygor. There is a cyborg ape in this book, um, and it's beautifully drawn. But, you know, we, we, we talk about show don't tell because you're in a comics medium comics are meant to to be you know visual a, a visual medium the thing about todd mcfarlane is that he shows and tells <laughs> and he, he either doesn't trust his artist or that's just the way he writes um because it, it feels like you're reading prose but it's just telling you what's what you can see in the panel like cygor yeah. goes into an uncontrollable frenzy and it's like but I can see that Cygor is going into an uncontrollable frenzy. Do you also need to tell me that? Um, you know, and I'm sure they've been reading. doing this for a while, but I really dislike the big giant mouth on Spawn. So, like, the character already is a ripoff of Venom with yeah. the symbiote, and now you're giving him Venom-style mouth. Yeah. 
Well, now, and, you know, here's the thing. Spawn is still one of the best-selling comic books on the market. Um, that's crazy to me. I, I don't know why. It yeah. still has a very loyal, very strong following. It is a. It is the longest running in issues independent, maybe yeah. independent comic book of all time um but i, I was hopeful i was hopeful yeah. and so uh, i will say and... after after the main story there were little pieces of you know basically introducing the other spawn books that they're going to be doing mm-hmm. uh medieval spawn She's we've fun. already we know about medieval spawn nothing really jumped out at me there i really enjoyed the she spawn story that is definitely a Wayne story all the way. I can see. I, that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, why does she spawn ha- not have a rotten face like every other spawn? But I like that interaction of uh, the she spawn story wasn't a fighting story or a combat story at all. The character makes herself look like her human form and goes and talks to her mother. She has a child, but the child thinks that she's the aunt because she's trying to protect her. And this is the character that they replaced Chapel with. Uh, Jessica oh, yeah. Jessica Priest is yeah. the one that killed Al Simmons. And now she's apparently a spawn. I'm sure that they set that up somewhere. Well, but I actually only got did... 250 issues to read to find out where that happened. Yeah. I would act I would pick up issue 1 of She Spawn if they if it comes out because I really liked these interactions. I like the character and I think the character looks cool. Here's the thing about all these three backup features is the books when they come out won't be written by Todd McFarlane. They're just kind of, you know, characters created by Todd McFarlane. Now, that being said, if there is a house style of writing that they are beholden to, then I will struggle with them. Because I thought the Gunslinger spawn um, has Brett Booth art. And, you know, I, it is, I thought the Gunslinger spawn art was gorgeous. And I love the design of that character, but... Maybe I'll check out preview pages, but certainly the main spawn book, not my jam. Yeah, we, we're completely in agreement there. The backup stories were better than the main story yeah. and well, easier to follow. I was very appreciative that uh, Image gave us a preview copy for it or a review copy uh, because I was able to thumb through it. And some of the art in the book is terrific, but I could tell looking at the pages that wasn't anything I wanted to read. Yeah. But that, uh, you know, Cygor, I was like, huh. Right. I could get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could absolutely get into Cygor. But uh, you know, one other just hideous book this week before we, we talk about our last book. Uh, I was about to say. Uh, I want to warn the world about Gamma, um, sorry, uh, yeah, Gamma Flight number one. It was a steaming pile. Uh, artwork was terrible. Story was t- terrible. The characters are not... Uh, written anything like what you're used to reading uh, i think there's a there's a germ of a decent story there but it it did did not uh, grow into anything worthwhile stay far and away from gamma flight number one awful 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 book well, just like the hulk books have been it had the it has hulk taint on it oh, so bad and just so, so we don't bad. end on a negative note because we've now talked about three shitty books in a row we're gonna end at least for me on a high note um, with Guardians of the Galaxy issue 15, um, which I don't know that we have anything new to say about this book that we haven't already book. said about the previous issues. This book was great. Yeah, except the ending. Because, you know, they're setting up the last annihilation in this uh-huh. storyline. Uh-huh. And, you know... we, we I, Ego, I, I, the living planet, Paul, Yeah, is an egg. A great big egg. 
and it hatches in this book. And I got to tell you, you know, the spoilers are online. So by the time you're listening to this, it's probably already been spoiled for you. I was genuinely shocked at the reveal of the villain behind the last annihilation. Well, but this also yeah. explains why Doom is involved and why, you know, it, mystically he was aware of what was uh, th- that something bad was happening. Yeah. So it does, you know, because you know that whole storyline links into, you know, Doom as a sorcerer, right? Uh, yeah, and not just Doom as a scientist, but Doom as a sorcerer, and why his his sorcerous senses were tingling. Yeah, and I'm wondering if Doctor Strange is going to come in, and maybe we're seeing the beginning of why Doctor Strange is going to die. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, actually, one of the things I love when a comic does is when I see something on a page and I have a thought, and then the characters express that thought. Right. So, yeah. So that happened. This issue of when they're coming into the sword base and they have like these trees growing everywhere. Uh-huh. My first thought was trees in space. And then immediately Star-Lord goes, space trees. That's a power move. Yeah. <laughs> I really dug how Nova wasn't putting up with any Magneto bullshit. Yeah, he's like, I'm tired <laughs> of forgiving villains. I am going to jack you up. I am not shaking your damn hand. I mean, <laughs> I dug well, it. And I love their reconciliation conversation after where he's he's like, yeah, this is I brought my baggage, basically. I thought it was very organic. I mean, I I felt all of those all of those uh, conversations and conflicts were honest. And I felt like the resolution was honest. You know, I I, I dug it. And, you know, I (laughs) when uh, the big reveal spoilers Dormammu hatches from the the uh, egg that Ego, the living planet had been. Uh, I, I just, I was like, this is going to be so much fun. Yes. I was so excited. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Now, Now, of concern here, you know, when you, when you see the, uh, the, the next page of the last annihilation, you know, the stories continued in guardians of the galaxy, number 16, and then in sword number seven, I have not been reading. Well, that being said, if you look at it, it does distinguish. It does distinguish sword number seven and cable reloaded are tie-ins. Uh huh. But part one is issue sixteen. Part two is issue seventeen of Guardians of the okay. Galaxy. Okay, that is good because I am not picking up cable reloaded. Yeah, same. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> not same. picking up the tie-ins. You know, what I will do is I'll pick up issue sixteen. And I'll pick up issue 17, and if it feels like I missed something <laughs> in I, that tie-in, then I'll go back and read it. I like the preview artwork of Sword Number Seven. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got some it's got some Doctor Doom in the background. Uh, I may look at the preview pages, and if I like it, I'll pick it up. But yeah, like Wayne, I am not picking up that Cable book. Yeah, I could do Sword, but I am not touching Cable. <laughs> and I'd love, you know, I'm not I've not been reading Sword. I'd love to find out that it's a good book. Well, there's that, right? Yeah. So anyway, I I'm excited. I I am a huge fan of the previous Annihilation books. Huge fan. Uh, mostly there was one Annihilation that happened recently that wasn't wasn't good, but the but the actual real uh, Abnett Lanning and I think Keith Giffen was involved in the yeah. first one uh, were just fantastic. And I I've got I got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping that this is a return to form. Me too. Cuz because we've we've had you know a really good kickoff to the story, so I'm I'm excited I'm excited, Paul. And hey, yes, sir. we want to know if you're excited. Oh no, actually, you know what, Paul? I'm sorry, I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun, Paul. Hey, Paul, <laughs> what's coming out next week? Well, uh, next week is both a fifth week, 
um, and a holiday week. So very light comic books. Uh, however, a couple of interesting books coming out are the relaunch of That Texas Blood, the second story arc. We were kind of burned by the end of yeah. that first story arc, so I'm, I'm tentative, but, you know, yeah, I, I might give it a shot. Um, so That Texas Blood issue 7. You know, it, it, we were just talking about Cable, and if you are a Cable fan, uh, it's probably because of Rob Liefeld, who has a one-shot, Mighty Crusaders, The Shield, uh, coming out next week from Archie Comics. Uh, from DC Comics, Green Arrow 80th Anniversary 100-page Super Spectacular, featuring creators like Mike Grell, Devin Grayson, Phil Hester, Jeff Lemire, Benjamin Percy, Mariko Tamaki... Um, you know, uh, and a slew of artists as well. Uh, uh, so if you're a Green Arrow fan, maybe we're checking that out. And if you want to get caught up on the next Batman, um, that, that you know, uh, the, the storyline that's coming up, uh, written by John Ridley, there is a, um, a trade paperback, Batman by John Ridley. It's $12.99, so cheaper than the sum of the books that are incorporated into it, which includes Future State, The Next Batman 1 through 4, stories from Batman Black and White and Batman Joker Warzone, and a brand new story from John Ridley with art by Dustin Nguyen uh, for $12.99, coming from DC Comics. I may pick that up because it'll get me, instead of having, because those books individually probably would have cost me around 40 bucks. Ouch. Uh, because those next Batman books were five bucks. Same with right. Batman Black and White. Joker Warzone, I think, was six. Like, it, it probably would have cost me $40 individually. Uh, $12.99. So I, I will probably pick that up. And the art on that book was by Olivier Copiel, um, Nick yeah. Darrington, and Dustin Nguyen. So, I mean, it, it's worth it for the art alone. Those are some guys who know how to draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, we want to know what you're excited about. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, I-O-M Geek, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal. Hey, guys, uh, July 4th, Independence Day holiday coming up. I'm pretty excited. I work all of two days next week. Are you (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll have plenty of time to read comics then. That's right. Well, I've got a stack of stuff I haven't read over the last couple of weeks, so I I need some catch-up time. (laughs) Don't we all? That's right. All right, everybody. Have a good one. You too. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.